0: Today's reading is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 through 8. It can be found on page 1092 of the Bibles next to your seats as well as on the screen this is God's word. you know brothers and sisters that our visit to you was not without results. we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi as you know, but with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted in the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from any human being, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our prerogatives. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we love you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. The Word of the Lord. Thank you, God.
1: I invite you to pray with me. Our God of grace. We stop and consider that we are here for a reason this morning. That each and every one of us has been, by your arrangement, divinely appointed to to sit here in this room right now. It's the exact collection of people you had in mind because you are here. And as we sit here and we wonder if we're the only one who deals with um, things that make us feel troubled or these kinds of things that make us feel depressed or these things that we just wish they'd go away from our life. Or we wish that certain problems or issues wouldn't plague us. Or as we sit celebrating because things have been good, we've enjoyed what you have brought into life. Or we sit kind of numb, realizing that maybe the comforts and achievements of life have anesthetized us to your presence and to the kind of joy we once felt. Whatever the case may be, as we sit here and as you have brought us here, would you now meet us and help us to be attuned to your voice? May there be all the time, but especially today, stories of people who um, heard you and had a sense of your great, loving, gentle direction in bringing us to a new awareness of you and a new calm and peace because of you. Because we're more of a mess than we care to admit, and yet your gospel, the Bible, tells us we're more loved and accepted than we ever imagined. May that calm our hearts as we hear your voice today. In Jesus' name. So, as we look at the book of 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul, at this part of the letter, is trying to reestablish his credibility. You see above above me the uh, statement, our vision statement, And prominent within that vision statement is the word credibility. In the next five years, City Life will see a noticeable increase in people of diverse backgrounds in Sacramento desiring their own spiritual formation because they see the gospel's credibility in the lives and community of City Life Church. So, on a day when we're beginning the process of nominating leaders for City Life Church, we get the gift in God's foresight of a passage talking about credibility and talking about Paul and his companions and, and, and trying he's trying to build a case of their credibility to a group that he only got to spend a short amount of time with and the message of Jesus really caught and people encountered and invited Jesus into their lives in a way that became transformative and a community grew. And yet he had to leave very abruptly so we're talking just months of being with these new people. Many of them did not have the Jewish background um, in Thessalonica that um, some of the other places the churches were starting had. So in a lot of ways, not a ton of connections to this Paul figure and Timothy and, and, um, and I think it's Silas who is traveling with them. And so he's writing them, and you get the sense almost like you know everything's in question. He has to build this resume, rebuild the resume. So that's kind of why, because he only had a little bit of time with them, and he wants to say some things, and he wants to remind them of why they should pay attention to him. And for us today, it's a it's a it's a point about what is gospel credibility in our lives and in the lives of leaders. And we zero in on probably the most awkward part of this passage. And maybe, hopefully, if you were listening carefully, you had a moment where you just kind of did that thing that dogs do when they hear a, a whistle from far away. Did you kind of? And that was the part where it transitioned quickly between two images, and they seem to be very different images for how he's trying to build his case. In verse 7 he says, instead, we were like children among you. And then he immediately says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Well, what is it? And as we look at that text, a fun aside if you just have this part of your brain that you need tickled this morning. There was initially uh, some early, uh, some early um, manuscripts of the New Testament had one word in verse 7, had the word for babes, like infants. As time went on, more and more of the translations put the word gentle in there. And there's a principal in biblical scholarship that came out in the 1800s that goes like this. The more difficult reading is the more probable reading. Because copying documents over time, you're more likely, a copyist is more likely to smooth something out. And so, over time, and there's many translations still today, that you it would read, we not we were infants among you, but it would read, we were gentle among you. And then it would transition to saying, as a nursing mother cares for her children, to kind of smooth the awkwardness out. Our translation kind of says, no. More difficult reading is probably the more original one. So it goes, instead, we were like young children among you, just as nursing mother cares for her children, so we care for you. So this is what we're talking about today. A sort of infant grown upness that is the credibility of the gospel and that is the credibility of gospel leaders. So let's first look at the infant part childlike. And let's go with the aspect of that that is vulnerable, vulnerable vulnerability. Still's not coming out right. Vulner, vulnerable-ness. <laughs> I was thinking about what seems like the most vulnerable young one, young creature. And I thought of a baby deer, a fawn. But then I started reading up on it. White-tailed deers, the first few months. At birth, the fawn's coat is a reddish-brown with numerous white spots. On the other side of the back, from the neck to the tail, there are two rows of white spots that almost touch each other. There are about 30 to 40 spots. These spots are vivid in young fawns. Scattered on each side of the fawn are about 100 more spots of various sizes, which are well-suited for hiding in the forest. Sunlight filtering through the leaves casts a dapple pattern that matches the fawn's coat, making it almost invisible. Um, and then it goes on. For the first few days of the week, the newborn fawns may spend up to ninety to 95% of their time bedded, sitting down, although they may stand occasionally to stretch. When frightened, the fawn drops its head, folds its ears back, the heart rate drops dramatically to around 60 beats per minute and breathing becomes shallow and slow. In this state of alarmed bradycardia, the, the fawns usually will not move when touched. Clearly, this behavior is an adapt- adaption to reduce the chance of detection by predators. But then transition to this. By about one week of age, fawns will run when discovered, and their agility and speed will quickly outdo even the most seasoned. Bonds don't seem, in terms of their their makeup, they don't seem very helpless. <laughs> Coming out so young, one week, and even before that week, they have all the tools on their own to stay safe, secure, and out of danger. How does that compare to newborn humans? What do they have? Just, just like a like a larva sitting there, <laughs> like a wiggling, screaming, screaming pupa, <laughs> helpless. So, how are we so you know, successful as a human race at, at those children not being um, you know, taken over by predators? There's so much vulnerability in the human infant. Trust in God allows vulnerability. There it is, vulnerability. So what does God do in credible leaders? This is what happens. And the word gospel is at the center of it, a word that comes up four times in this this chapter. The gospel happens to credible leaders. What happens is, over and over, people's encounter with Jesus and inviting Jesus into their life enables them to actually believe that in the face of just about, in the face, not just about, in the face of any and every trouble in life, any trouble you bring in this morning, any trouble you might face next week, I am held by God. The world is held by God. The gospel enables that. The f- I am held by my father. So there's the infant analogy, the vulnerability. The father who sent his son, and that son came as an infant, a vulnerable infant. And then proceeded to carry on the trouble of the world on his back as he took it to the cross. And it seemed as if it crushed him, but it didn't. Because on the third day, he rose again victorious over all the world's trouble. And so, there's not a single trouble that the gospel doesn't bring incredible joy and hope amidst. Simultaneously, Even as there is the, the worst troubles of this world, the Christian says, it can't take away my hope and my joy. And so what you see as a character in credible gospel people and leaders is an ability to enter into vulnerability. Have you ever seen that? You have two options if you want to know what that looks like. You can find someone who's experienced the gospel and observe them and look at them and ask them and you'll see glimpses of it or there's two options I said so the other one would be volunteer in the nursery next door (laughs) and go and hold baby Ella standing Michelle's baby I don't know if she's even come to church yet she's that new or look at Elijah crawling around or look at Emily holding Mireya Look at Hannah and Augie. And look at these little ones and just, uh, just stand in awe of their trust, of their sheer vulnerability. How much they are just dependent. How much they are enjoying every moment and delighting in life without care. Without any of this crazy stuff. This the manipulation, the trying to get people to do what you want, trying to angle for your own selfish. They're just. The newborn baby is so dependent, so vulnerable. So an infant grown up, let's let's move on to the grown up part because then the passage pivots to saying like a nursing mother cares for her children so we care for you. Have you ever met a gospel grown up who is not blood related to you but who it seemed like they had gotten a message in their life that said it's not about you and they treat you that way. It's not about them, they pour out for you. They care for you genuinely. A nursing mother can't help but lose, literally lose sleep over the concerns and the needs and the tears of her baby. In the same way, gospel grown-ups can't help but lose sleep and carry the needs and concerns of those that they have been put who have been put in their lives into who minister. And if you, I don't know if you ever met someone like that, but if you have, you've also likely, if you scratch under the surface, if you get to know them and observe them a little bit, you'll also notice that they also pay attention to their spiritual diet in the way that a new nursing mom pays attention to her physical diet. What's going to happen to my child if I take this medication, if I eat this food, if I drink this drink? There's things that flow out of what comes in. And in the same way, you'll see a gospel grown-up. And if you want to be a gospel grown-up, then you will begin on this path. That That you will begin to watch your spiritual diet. That you will be wanting to absolutely make sure every day that the menu is full of God. That your plate is piled up with God's love. That your table is, just has, always has pictures stationed on it, filled with the grace of Jesus. And that, your, that you always have at the ready heaping helpings of God's challenge in your life. And that you have grasped the nutritional value of God's leadership. That's a picture of the credibility that you begin to see in your life and in the life of those where the gospel has begun to take root. Let's pray that that will be true of all of us. Join me. Our God of grace, we ask that your spirit would enable much gospel growth here, planting seeds today, that you will grow into fruitful plants later on and growing and shining your light on the young saplings in our life that started by seeds years ago. Would you do the work, and would we trust it? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.